Yeah, it feels like the picture I had is the Lord's going after really deep roots in us. And that's, that's a disruptive and wonderful and arduous at times process. So um, sometimes I get confused and I assume when everything's just easy, then that means that's exactly where I've always wanted to be with Jesus. And typically that means nothing's going on. That God calls us into this spot where there's always a bit of a, uh, he's changing us. Why? Because he loves us. He wants to be with us. He wants to remove the things that get between us and actually deform us from the image we're meant to be, which is seen in Jesus. And so simply, and you might notice we've had a theme for a little while, and I just felt like Jesus is wanting to do this is just to focus on Jesus. It's just to focus on Jesus. This message I wrote uh, originally to be right after um, Roger and Julia were talking about their experience down at the Asbury University at the Awakening thing. But, you know, that that kind of just took over the whole Sunday, which was beautiful. Um, Lord's doing his disruptive stuff. But I feel like I'm still supposed to just call us back to this. Last week, did you appreciate Caleb Breedlove talking about Jesus? Just entering that meditation on Jesus with him. And then before that, it was John Free about the best thing we can possibly do is surrender ourselves to Jesus. And then next Sunday is going to be fun. Uh, pretty crazy circumstance happened for the message that's going to be shared uh, by the inimitable Dan Russell, one of our previous uh, youth pastors, um, about focusing on Jesus. So today I'm just going to say talk about this really simple um, but, but it's, it, this is life stuff. Man, Molly was singing something about it, a couple things from you to you for all things. Jesus, remove every high place. In other words, anything we're really giving our energy to is what we're worshiping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Will that be your paycheck or whatever? You know, we're kind of like, I gotta get that pay. Oh, let's give our best energy to Jesus. And it's, it's the best life strategy. Why? Because he, well, I'll tell you why. Why is it important to focus on Jesus? How do we do it? And where do we do it? Now, Luke Kennedy claimed that this is the planet fitness screen. But I'm telling you, on my computer, that's blue and those words are orange. I'm absolutely telling you the truth. So when he said that, I was like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, and I'm like, oh, I see what you're saying. So, um, why, how, and where focus on Jesus? Very, very simple. Why do we focus on Jesus? I'm going to look at a few passages. Um, and we always make these slides available. Just you can download them. They're a PDF. That's go to just where the, our YouTube channel is in the notes there. You can just pull it down. The reason we do that is because we want you to be able to actually access this stuff beyond this moment. And this part's going to be important for you to be able to do that because there's Ain't no way you're going to follow all this because I'm just going to dump a lot on you. But it's all based on this passage right here. This is Hebrews 1. The writer of Hebrews is just talking about who this Jesus is. And I'll read it out loud and then we'll stare at it for a minute. He says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things 
and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Father, will you by the Spirit give us the ability to hear your word, Jesus himself now, and respond. Amen. So why should we focus on Jesus? Well, first of all, through, it was through Jesus that God made the universe. Jesus made the world. What I'm giving you there is also other scripture passages that'll help you contemplate this very thing if you want to. John 1 through, 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. All things were made through Him. It'd probably be good to pay attention to the guy who made everything, right? Anthony Elliott has been helping me fix my car. I don't pay attention to what I think I should do. I pay attention to what Anthony does. Because virtually anything Anthony gave me to do, he had to redo when we were fixing it. Because I don't know how to fix a car. Pay attention to the guy who knows what's going on. Why do we pay attention? Why do we focus on Jesus? God appointed Jesus heir of everything. Everything is his inheritance. In other words, Jesus owns the world. Think about it. When you have ownership of something, you care about it. You steward it. You take care of it. Jesus owns the world. Also, why would we focus on Jesus? He's currently sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus sustains the world. If you're into physics at all, this is a fascinating idea. When they treat, keep on trying to say, what is the final element? The best I can tell is it's energy. What energy is that? I wonder. Could it be the word God spoke that made the world? And the word that embodied in person is Jesus himself. Well, Hebrews says, yeah, that's it. Jesus is currently sustaining the world. That the most evil person, rebellious to Jesus doing bad things, is only here because he's sustaining them. Why else we focus on Jesus? In the past, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. The son's the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of God's being. I read it. There's a guy named Michael Reeves who's a brilliant author and speaker. He's got a book called Delighting in the Trinity. He said, the best way to understand God is through Jesus. He said, trying to figure out God on our own, even just starting from a philosophical proposition like the unmoved mover, he said that's about as successful as going through on a dark trail blindfolded in the middle of the night in a rainstorm while an earthquake's happening. (laughs) It's just, you might get somewhere, but not very far. We start with Jesus. Jesus, we love the Father and the Spirit, but the only way to either Father or Spirit is through Jesus. That's why we start with Jesus. That's why also people don't like to say the name of Jesus as much. It's a very particular way, only one way to get to God. Jesus reveals God to the world. And Jesus rescues the world. He provided purification for sins. All those passages, guys... I was feeling, you ever, you ever watch a movie and you're like, whoa, didn't see that coming. I had one of those last night. 
Ever happened to you? None of you guys watch those kind of movies. Okay. I just thought it was an action movie. I was like, what is happening? Ah, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. And just feel like garbage, you know? This morning, and then I'm going to go talk about Jesus in front of people. What I could do is try to measure how many good things I did yesterday versus that. Or I could say, I'm just running as fast as I can to the mercy of God. That's the only shot. Is that Jesus, you're the only one who can forgive me. You're the only one whose opinion matters about this whole thing. So just looking at Jesus, you are the, you're the atoning sacrifice for my sins. That's one of the scriptures in there, Romans 3.25. It's really been helping me lately. Jesus, after all this, sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Right hand of the majesty. That's about authority. Jesus rules the world. Jesus is the boss of everything. You'd say, well, it doesn't seem like Jesus is the boss of everything. That's because Jesus is a very patient boss. He's a really patient boss. He's the most humble boss ever. He lays down his life for those who reject him and hate him and spit on him. He lays, that's where he exercises power. Now he's going to pull it all back together when he's like, okay, we're done. Jesus rules the world. So why should we focus on Jesus? Jesus is the most important person in the world. Because they're the most important anyone, anywhere. Wouldn't it make sense for a reference point for our lives to be the most important anyone, anywhere? All of us, all of us are following some kind of example. Consciously or unconsciously. A lot of it's unconscious, right? Because we, he, you know how it is for you guys when you first got married, you're like, we don't do breakfast that way. <laughs> you're like, how do you know? I mean, it's like, you realize it's the example of a, your family of origin, whatever it is. <laughs> I've got stories just shooting through my head right now. I'm just <laughs> restraining myself. <laughs> Trying to be smart. <laughs> Jesus is the smartest person. It's the smartest thing you can do is to focus on Jesus. Who he is, what he's like, what he says God's like. So the question is, how do I focus on Jesus? How do you focus on a, a dude that's not here? Oh, we can we really can. The first thing has to do with our attention. Have you ever had your attention grabbed by something that's not here right now? <laughs> Some are like, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I am such a scatterbrain. I mean, I have left my wallet in a lot of interesting places because my mind's somewhere else a lot of the time. One of my favorite, I will not name my friend, he's even more scatterbrained than me. Uh, Roger and I were going to lunch. He was, no, it wasn't Roger. Though Roger is more scatterbrained than me, I think. It's funny, I'm always like, man, Kelly, I got my stuff together. She goes, between you and Roger, there's not a lot of comparing to do. You know, it's like, you guys are a mess. No, this is a guy even more scatterbrained than me or Roger. We saw him in the parking lot of the church on our way to lunch. We go, hey, dude, you want to come? He said, sure. He hops in the car. When we get all the way back from lunch, 
his car is still there, car door open running. He'd gotten out of his car, forgot to turn it off, got in our car and just left. His mind was somewhere else, right? Like, God, God loves you so much, bro. That's amazing. <laughs> and the writer of Hebrews, when he talks, he's starting that whole letter talking about Jesus. He says, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. We can, we can have a choice as to what we pay attention to. It takes practice. It takes practice. But we can have a choice that we pay attention to. And so one of the ways we can focus on Jesus is we can think about him. Think about what he's like. We fix our thoughts on him. But that isn't the only way. It's attention and action. Jesus said it this way. It's really kind of harsh. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Have you ever noticed when you're exercising, if you can remember back to that day, <laughs> that whatever you were thinking about, eventually your body will say, pay attention to me, right? Just the, <gasps> you know, that, that's, that's when I know that it, for me with my brain loops and stuff, exercise is great because eventually my body will demand my attention. And so... To focus on Jesus, we have to do something with our bodies, not just ideas, but actually do something with them. Jesus said it this way. He said that the Jews had believed him. In other words, they'd given their attention to him, their thought life. He said, if you hold to my teaching, if you do what I say, you're really my disciples. Jesus expands it further in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, here's what disciples are. There's, there's this part of being he says, you're going to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name means I'm receiving that identity. I'm losing my old one and coming up into this new identity of Father, Son, and Spirit. Sons, servants, and ambassadors to the world. And then there's doing. There's the teaching them to obey. Dallas Willard calls this the great omission from the great commission. That often we've been so concerned about have, making sure our belief system's right that we've not bothered to live a life shaped in the image of Jesus. And the way we talk about it here at Believer's Church is being near and like Jesus. That's what we call being a disciple. Wanting to be near and like Jesus in our attention, our action, our being and doing. And so how do we focus on Jesus is to be his disciple. It's all that stuff. Just be his apprentice. Be the one. He's the one we stare at. He's the one we think about. He's the example we go to. He's the life we're inspired by. And then we try to live out what he, does, he says to do. Now here's the interesting thing is where do we focus on Jesus? And, and I, I was thinking about this in light of this, this moment we've seen over the last you know, several weeks with the, the outpouring that was happening at, at uh, Asbury. Um, and, and I got to thinking, there's at least two, two different way, spots we focus on Jesus. One is in daily life. In fact, 95.9957% of our life is daily, right? Heard it said, the hard thing about life is it's so daily. 
in most of our learning to focus on Jesus, to give our attention to him, to, to, to live out a life that's in, in coherence with his life, is just day in and day out, taking out the trash, doing the dishes, going to work, going home, waking up again and doing it again. That's where most of it happens where we focus on Jesus. And also, though, there are moments of disruption, necessary moments of disruption, that grab our attention and shake us and say, look at Jesus. Let me, let me give you a couple examples from the scriptures. You can see this pattern in Acts. The very first bit of Acts, Jesus says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes, hang out in Jerusalem, and then you're going to be my witnesses. And so they're waiting for a while, about 50 days. And then, bam, the Holy Spirit comes on them. They preach the gospel. 3,000 people are converted. But did you know that the book of Acts covers a time of about 30 years? Did you know that? It's about 30 years of time. So it can be a little bit like, why are our lives like this, this happening all the time? There's only 28 chapters in Acts. So if you're counting one miracle for chapters, one a year. There was a lot of daily life in their life. So you see Acts 2.42. They're meeting in one another's houses. They're going to the temple to pray. They're, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're living lives of generosity. And then Peter and John, they're just on their way to temple, which at the time is their normal daily prayer rhythm. They're just going to the temple to pray. We're doing a prayer rhythm. They're doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden there's a guy there who can't walk and God heals him. And all of a sudden things blow up. 2,000 more people come to, to put their faith in Jesus. And then the disciples get in trouble. And they, they get threatened by the authorities. Say, don't ever do this again. So they have to go back home and pray. And, and they're praying together. The, the, said, God, give us boldness to keep on going with this, even though they told us to stop. And the room where they're at is shaking. I mean, that's a disruptive moment. And then they settle back in. You see Acts 4, 32 through 37? It says again, they're sharing. They're living the lives together. They're selling their property. They're giving it away to others. Just kind of going along good. And then Ananias and Sapphira decide to sell off some of their stuff, but lie about it, and they die. That's a bad Sunday service, man. They handed their offer and they just dropped dead right there. It's like, well, okay, that's not motivating, is it? That's disruptive. It's a great fear sees the church. They realize, who are we dealing with? This is the living God. Then we see again Acts 5.12 that it says that the believers are meeting together. Part of the normative experience is they're seeing signs and wonders and miracles. It's just happening. And then things heat up. The Jewish leaders are mad at them, put the guys in prison, say stop it. Then an angel comes, releases them from prison. They're like, okay, I guess we're going to do it again. And, they, you know, I mean, and then they get flogged and beaten. And you can see this pattern of daily life and disruption over and over again throughout the rest of Acts. Um, we've got normal life, and then we've got outpouring, crisis, and renewal. Notice that just like renewal, crisis is really important. 
Crisis is super important in the growth of the church. Could it have been that COVID was part of God's crisis to renew us? To disrupt us? I don't know. That was fairly disruptive. And so here's the deal. Where do we focus on Jesus? It's in the daily and the disruption. And we don't resist either the daily or the disruption because we need them both. We need them both. There's some of us, we love the daily, so don't disrupt my jam, man. Some of us, I, I tend to be that guy, right? I, I just tend to like, I, I like order. I like patterns. They comfort me. But I need to be disrupted at times. It's one of the things, that, if you're new to our worship services, I was talking to a guy who just got here. He was like, man, this is lively. You know, like, I know we're kind of chaotic. I know that. But it's because we're, we're allowing Jesus to disrupt us if he wants to. That doesn't mean that order is, like spontaneity is not equal to Holy Spirit. Because spontaneity can just be boredom, you know, or something stupid. But we want to be available. Available to disruption if he wants it. Um, yeah, so we shan't represent, uh, resi- resist disruption. But some of us are addicted to disruption. And we can't handle daily life. There's an actual disorder that's come since the internet has been uh, invented. It's called stimulation addiction. It's a real thing. It's, it's, not that, it's not even so much what the stimulation is. I just need a new one. I just need a new one. And man, that is devastating to focusing on Jesus in daily life. You can't focus on anything in daily life when you're stimulation addicted. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, it's, it's like the eternal scroll of life. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I need something else. It ain't good for us. To be able to focus down and just hit the daily boredom. Boredom is so important. It's so important for our growth. Creativity only comes out of boredom. So we don't resist the daily disruption. We notice them. We say, oh, this is what's happening. I'm in a daily spot. But it's not exciting. Jesus wants me to focus on him right now. Just as I'm going to work. Whatever the thing is. What we resist is distraction. We can be distracted either in the daily or the disruption. Right? Daily life can be just very distracting because you're just making it through. And life, I mean, some of you guys have probably had this in marriage where your marriage at some point is just kind of like event planning. You know what I mean? For your children. You just got to get them there, got to get them there, got to get them that thing, got to get them that thing. And that's like, the meaning of life is we've got there on time. Anybody relate to me on that? You know, it's just like we can get distracted by the dumbest things too, right? Because at least, at least when I get to the parking lot, I can play Candy Crush. But we've got to resist distraction. It takes work to focus on Jesus. It takes work to focus on anything. What is it? I think the average now is each of us sees, I think it's 4,000 ads a day. 
What if we just did everything each ad told us to do? That'd be a wild day, wouldn't it? So we've learned how to focus on some things. A lot of things vying for attention. Do you know that the main crop that social media is harvesting is your attention? That They say that openly. They know that. We are fighting to get your eyeballs. So we're in an adversarial world for our attention. Also, by the way, you can be distracted in the disruption. You can be so obsessed with, is this a revival or not, that we've forgotten where Jesus was. I've learned the hard way in some of these things. I've been to conferences that I was a key part of in our worship music and stuff like that. And I realized after we've been getting through all this, I haven't said or heard the name Jesus for a while. And I'm in the middle of it. I mean, good-hearted, good-hearted. But it's just easy to get distracted by things other than Jesus. So, focus on Jesus is the summary of the whole thing. It's the most important anyone, anywhere. How do we do it? Why? Uh, yeah, how do we do it? Be his disciple. Where? In the daily and the disruption. And we've got to resist distraction. We've got to resist distraction. This, my friends, takes practice. It takes practice. So, so here's a few things I'd like to suggest for practice uh, that would help you, that at least have helped me. The first one is, how, how do you keep your attention on Jesus? In that whole why section, I gave you tons of scriptures that are just about Jesus. There have been seasons where I'll just, like Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 has been one where I'll just wake up and it's the first thing I see and I just sit there till I realize I'm actually thinking about what I'm reading. You, you know what I'm saying? It's easy to not pay attention even though I'm doing it, you know. But, oh yeah, okay, and it might just catch, be a phrase that catches me that this is this Jesus who made purification for sins. But the good thing is if I've paid attention to that, if I'm guilty later in the day because I've done something dumb, Oh, I can, I can be cleansed. Why? Because this is who Jesus is. Oh, Jesus, I'm not going to focus on myself and how much of a failure I think I am or whatever it is. That there's no win there. I'm going to focus on Jesus who sat down at the, after he made purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. If I read a news article today and I feel like the world is freaking out of control, you know what it says? He sat down at the right hand of God. He made the whole thing. I can go back to this Jesus person. It's a very, very practical thing that we can do with our thought life. Another, learn from family. It's it, the one uh, Eugene Peterson said, asked, what should I read? He said, read the dead guys. In other words, if it's lasted for 500 years or 50 years, most likely it's worth looking at. Um, Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Short little book that just talks about coming back to Jesus throughout your day. He, you know what the guy did? He washed dishes. And then he repaired shoes. And he wrote one of the most important works on how to focus on Jesus throughout your day. Isn't that cool? You might be the person who writes the next one. I'm serious. But we've got to practice it. Another really great book, A Testament of Devotion by Thomas Kelly, I think it was written in the 30s. Really, really good. Being able to come back to Jesus throughout your whole day. Throughout your whole day. A third one, Letters by a Modern Mystic. Frank Laubach was a missionary. Don't get weirded out by mystic. just means a guy likes to experience God. It's his letters he wrote to his dad 
of how he was trying to focus on Jesus while he was in a missionary in a fully Muslim country. And these letters are just, I just cry when I read them, of how he's trying to focus on Jesus in everything. He ended up uh, creating the largest uh, thing for people learning English, uh, learning how to read globally in history. But he was obsessed with how do I focus on Jesus. He had a thing called the game of minutes that he wanted to refer back to Jesus every minute of every day. That's a tall order, man. And he'd talk about how tall of an order it was. But he never got there, but whoa, he got to know Jesus. So this is a lifetime practice, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like, got it in a sermon, I'm, I've got it covered. And then doing actions. Just practice obeying what Jesus says. Just try one thing. And that starts to embody, because here's the great thing. You start to realize, I cannot do this. I need Jesus. <laughs> Love your enemies. Great, I'll start today. Ah, Jesus! Uh, a really practical way you can do that right now, we have a group called the Being Disciples, Making Disciples group. Where's Rochelle? Rochelle, could you stand up, please? Yeah? Rochelle is a trusted person amongst us who's leading a group that's just literally focusing on doing this. You said this starts Wednesday. What day? Wednesday, 6 o'clock, right here in the conference room. If you just want to join a group, we're meant to do this together. This is exactly what they're focusing on. So if you want to join a group, Rochelle is hosting that. It's really, really good. JesusTheVision.com has a bunch of exercises that you can do on it. Um, that's where we kind of put our uh, discipleship stuff. Or you can just try a Sermon on the Mount. Just start with the first one and just try that one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. In about 2024, you'll be ready for the next sentence. Just, but what, it's just practical stuff. How do we focus on Jesus? We can focus on things that aren't right in front of us, right? The other thing that's cool is Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, actually is in us. So he's given us power to do this. This is never something... Man, our own wills are just stink. Our willpower is so bad. It's so weak. And so the quicker you can get to surrender, to say, I can't do this in my own strength, the, fa- the faster this will get fun. Because the thing is to return to Jesus and to return to Jesus, return to Jesus throughout the day. I promise you, your days will get better. Because he's beautiful. He's brilliant. He loves us. He made us. He's the one shaping us. He's got good plans for us. He's got wonderful sacrifices he's going to offer us to enter into on the behalf of others. It's just beautiful stuff that Jesus does. All right, so let's stand together. All this stuff is going to be on our website. Uh, Go to to our YouTube where you can see this. Uh, We're going to finish by praying for those who are far from God. So if you're new to this, uh, this is part of a daily practice that we're currently doing. Lord's Prayer, those who are far from God tonight, be some gratitude. So let's just, it, something that helps me is to picture the faces of the people I'm pr- praying for. So if you just slowly go through their faces, maybe you can remember a name, but there's just something that, that God sees their faces. Jesus is in love with them. He wants to rescue them.
So let's pray this together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. And Lord, on behalf of us all, I ask that you give us the help we need by the Holy Spirit to do the very thing that you want for us, but we can't do in our own strength, but we can say yes to you and receive the power to focus on you this week. In Jesus' name I pray.